We started a series uh, for the month of November entitled Living in the Light of Christ's Return. And uh, if you look at what's happening in our world today, it doesn't uh, take a rocket science degree to realize that Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon. And uh, we want you to be ready. We want you to be anticipating it. It's not something to fear or be afraid of. Uh, and if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, our desire and our prayer this morning above all else it's not that you come to church and you feel good about yourself. We want you to come and encounter a relationship with Jesus and experience what life change looks like uh, through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, so as we were, last Sunday, we looked at uh, the rapture of the church, uh, and we were looking at people get ready, trying to uh, get ready for the, the time when Jesus comes to take his bride, the church, home. Today, we're looking at uh, the subject of heaven, anticipating uh, our forever home. And uh, uh, my mom, I used to remember hear her say, uh, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And it was a, just a, a, a prayer and a desire for Jesus to return and to take us home to heaven. And I'll be honest, I'm anticipating that and would love for that to happen. I said last Sunday, uh, I used to pray that the Lord would come before our kids started dating and driving. And uh, we have uh, two dating age and, and driving age and 13-year-old uh, uh, twins that are think they're dating and, and driving age and, uh, and are anticipating that season of life. But uh, we're praying for, you know, I'm looking forward to the, the time that Christ takes us home. Next Sunday, we're going to be looking at signs of the times. Fearful or faithful? What is uh, your reaction to what's happening in our world and the times in which we're living as we're anticipating the return of Christ? And then the future, the church looking forward. What is our responsibility until Jesus comes to rapture us and take us home? What is this waiting period? What is this time period, the, the church age? What are we supposed to be doing and anticipating the return of Christ? How many have ever been on a a vacation or a trip that went horribly wrong. Anyone ever take a vacation? Or, and not just any vacation. It was the vacation. Well, we won't say where it's from, but it's that bad place. And, and you start looking around. You're like, I can't wait for this thing to be over. I mean, uh, a few years ago, I'm, I'm on album right now. Steve and Don Gerson, they're never going to invite us ever again. But we went on vacation with them to, to North Myrtle Beach. And we, we started off, I mean, it was so exciting. Our two families all these kids together and we're going to have the time of our life and it, it's it's january at the beach you know what january at the beach is like i mean you got you better have some plans you know because we were going to have so much fun we had all these things mapped out and we were staying in this giant condo right there in north Myrtle beach and we had all these things activities we we're going to do and i think the first day uh we came off like unscathed and then day two and, and people started getting sick one by one and, uh, and by day three, it was it was on and it was bad. And uh, I think day three, Steve and I said, "Hey, let's go to Friendly's and and eat some uh, lunch. We're doing great." And uh, we had ice cream and all these. Uh, we were just having a good old time. And we're thinking, "Whoo, we have dodged the bullet on that." And uh, we get back to the condo, and I was starting to something was not. I had to be something I ate, but it was just not going well. And uh, before long, I mean, the whole entire condo was sick. I mean, stomach bug had come home to roost. And well, I looked at Stephen and said, we love you guys, but we're going home. I mean, we cannot. And you, you have one of those vacations. At, 
It's just like, man, I've heard of people going on a cruise. My uncle went on a cruise. It was so bad that they refunded all of their money for the cruise because they ended up in a massive storm. The whole ship is, is, is about to tip over and everybody's throwing up. The mayor of their city was on the same ship and he was, everybody was sick. And it says, when you go on a trip like that, you just can't wait to get what? Home. We drive on vacation. There's something about seeing the sign, welcome to Wake County. Woo! We're almost home. I mean, hang on. Now, just 20 more minutes and we'll be in our driveway. And there's something about getting home. Something about anticipating home. You get off an airplane in Raleigh and welcome to Raleigh. Welcome to Raleigh-Durham. And hey, there's something about that sense of feeling of, of being home. For the child of God, when we watch the news, when we see what's happening around our world, folks, there's a, it, it can, we can respond in a, a couple of different ways. It can make you angry. It can make you upset. It can make you, you know, disgruntled. It can make you feel out of sorts. Or your response could be, I can't wait to get home. I can't wait. Because, folks, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, this world is not our home. In fact, we're American. If you're a citizen of the United States, we're a citizen. We're an American citizen. And I'm thankful for the freedoms that we have. But, folks, this is not it for us. God has something far greater and grander in heaven one day. And, folks, I long to be with our Savior face-to-face -face and, and to worship him and to celebrate him and to, and to see all the things that he has planned for us. And I long for that day of where we won't struggle with our sin nature and where, where we're not facing all of the disease and the, the struggles of this life and, and turning on the news and seeing all of the unrest around the world, but understanding that, folks, this is not home. One day... That heavens are going to open and, and, and Christ is going to descend into the clouds. And folks, he's going to come to take his church home. Once the rapture takes place, once the church of Jesus Christ is snatched away, all hell will break loose. In fact, there's nothing else holding back the wrath of God at that point. And one of the best books on heaven available today is called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. If you've never picked it up order it. I, I want to tell you, it explains so much, and I've got so much good information from his, this resource on what heaven is, is truly going to be like, and longing for that day. Stu Weber says, other than the Bible itself, this may be the single most life-changing book you'll ever read. Revelation chapter 21 is our text. We're going to start reading in verse 1 this morning as we encounter, as we anticipate our forever home. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Verse 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And all of God's people can say to that, amen. He says, he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, write this down, 
For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts this morning? Lord, I don't know the condition and the place that each person who's sitting in this building is in their spiritual journey. And those that are watching online that will watch online in the, in the days and weeks to come. I don't know where they're at in their walk with Christ, but you do. And Holy Spirit, would you draw them to yourself? Lord, would you convict them of their sin and, and show them their need of a Savior? And God, would you radically transform and save their soul this morning? For the child of God this morning, Lord, would you encourage us as we anticipate heaven and what it's going to be like? God, as we, as we look at your word this morning and explore what you have in store for the child of God, Lord, would you encourage us, God, not to grow weary in well-doing, but I pray that we would be faithful and, 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 and as we anticipate the, the place that you're preparing, God, would, would it make us long even more for that moment where we see you face to face and, and Lord, where we have the, the privilege and freedom of worshiping you for all of eternity. Would you encourage our hearts this morning? May we leave today challenged to share the good news of the gospel with those we come in contact with. We'll give you all the honor, glory, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Randy Alcorn describes the new heaven this way. He said, it's no coincidence that the first two chapters of the Bible begin with the creation of the heavens and earth. And the last two chapters begin with the recreation of the heavens and the earth. And it says all that's lost at the beginning will be restored at the end and far more will be added besides. The power of Christ's resurrection is not only to remake, as he says, but also to remake every inch of the universe. Mountains, rivers, plants, animals, stars, galaxies, all of these things. Thinking about it this morning, what a glorious place heaven's going to be. John goes on in Revelation 20, chapter 22 and describes it in greater tw uh, detail. He says in verse 1 of Revelation chapter 22, the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on the either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were from the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. There will, be, there will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever. <coughs> So we anticipate heaven this morning. Heaven is a place where there will be no. There's a, a number of things that John lists that are not going to be in heaven. And, and folks, if you know Christ as your Savior, it's encouraging because as you read the list, as he outlines things that are not going to be in heaven, it's important to realize, folks, this is earth-shattering. It's it's so uh over the top because we won't experience any of these things. He says when we get to heaven, it's hard to comprehend the magnitude of what we're going to be experiencing. It's a new city, a new Jerusalem, and Christ has been preparing this place ever since he ascended 
into heaven. And John tells us a little bit about uh, this in John chapter 14. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 2 says, in my father's house are many what, church? Mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I'd go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, he says, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He's talking about what heaven's going to be like, the place that God has gone, that Christ has gone to prepare. And he's, he says, I will bring you there that you can be with myself. He says, that where I am, you may be also. If you've traveled the earth, you've seen some of the most gorgeous places on the planet. And uh, a few years ago, my wife and I, at Christmas time, had a chance to go to, to Biltmore Estate in Asheville. And we were able to see the gorgeous Biltmore. Anybody else have ever been there, especially at Christmas time? Have you ever been to Biltmore House? Uh, if you've never visited this place in our own state, where we live... Uh, you need to go. I, I'm not getting paid. They're not giving me a free uh, annual you know, pass to go in there. for. But I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. I mean, when we went there, I mean, it was an experience like none other. The first time I went, uh, we were going on a men's conference uh, out of town. And we went to Asheville. And, went, and I went with a bunch of the men in our church. And, uh, you know, touring the, the Biltmore house with a bunch of men is quite an experience. I mean, they're like, well, golly, I ain't never seen something so big, you know, and everything, is, you know. But going through with my wife with all of the Christmas decorations, as we enter the grand dining hall, there is, the organ is being played. I mean, I, it, uh, it was breathtaking. I mean, just absolutely. You go and you see something that was completed in 1895, in fact, they welcomed their first family uh, and friends on December the 24th of 1895. Imagine George Vanderbilt saying to his wife, honey, I, I built you a little cabin up in the mountains <laughs> just to get away, you know, uh, just get away from the hustle and bustle of the, of the city and we're just going to take the train. The train tracks stopped in front of the house back then. I mean, they, they, they brought in all of the stone, all of the, all of the materials, and, and so the, the train would stop right in front of the house. Imagine, you know, we're going to go down to the, the, the mountain cabin and get away for just a, a few days for the, for the holidays, and uh, 175,000 square feet, uh, an indoor swimming pool, and, and bowling alley, and, and, and electric lights, and uh, instant hot water when you turned on that bath water and uh, you wanted to relax and just, you know, take a, an easy, uh, easy night and, and all of a sudden it's instant hot water. I mean, you can imagine it's, it's mind blowing. Uh, and then a few years ago on a mission trip in India, I got a chance to go to the Taj Mahal and I'm telling you, Steve was on that trip with me. Um, it was insane. All right. You know, I mean, you, you're, you're driving three hours to get there and you're like, this is one of the uh, wonders of the world. I mean, I I'm going I'm to get there and it, it, nothing prepares you for standing in front of this structure. It's so massive. And as you're walking through it, 35 years of construction, it's a tomb. Hate to blow, blow it for you. It's a tomb. Today is the equivalent of $35 billion if it were built in today's world. 
built in the 1600s. I'm standing there going, this is unbelievable. This is insane. And I'll never forget it. I was just so, you're almost speechless when you see it because it's so magnificent. Everything is about it is so grand and so big and so perfect. But church, comparatively, none of these even begin to scratch the surface of what heaven's going to be like. That's a tomb. By all intents and purposes, I don't know the heart of uh, either one of the, the, the emperor or his wife that they're buried there. But if they didn't know Jesus, that's all the heaven they'll ever know. A marble mausoleum. But folks, Jesus has been preparing a place for those that know Christ as a Savior for 2,000 years. He created the entire earth. In six days and rested on the seventh, and yet for 2,000 years, there isn't anything that even is going to shake a stick. I mean, you go, there was a, a 13, I don't know how many million dollar house on the Parade of Homes this year, and, or seven, I don't know, 10. After so many millions, it doesn't even matter. But I mean, everybody was going to see this house, and I mean, there, I heard people telling about it. You know, I can, I can, I appreciate stuff like that. I can go and see it, and I can be just as happy that I can pay my mortgage. Anybody else? I mean, it's like, you know what? I can enjoy it and see all the cool features and, uh, you know, water, uh, endless, uh, Waterfall, saltwater pools, and all these things. But the reality is, is one day when we get to heaven, the place that he's being prepared for 2,000 years, there's nothing like it. He says, What's going to happen? He says, No one has built anything that even compares to what Jesus Christ is preparing for those that know Christ as their Savior. So, folks, you might not have a mansion here on this earth. One day we will. One day we will, as Christ is preparing. He says there are a lot of things that are not going to be in heaven. He says there will be no more tears in heaven. In fact, he even says he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. I'm a dad of, of four kids, and over the years, there's been a lot of tears. Uh, you know, scraped elbows, skin knees, uh, bike accidents, uh, lost ball games. And, uh, you know, you, as a parent... You, you comfort your kids and you, you get down beside them. You, you hold them when they're small. You put your arm around them. You, you dry their tears when they're, when they're hurting. When they, they lost the race or they lost a game and, and you're comforting them. And when, they, when they fail a test, you're there to pick them back up and say, you can do it. You can, you're going to get back out there and try it again. You're going to ride that bike around that cul-de-sac one more time and skin that knee one more time. Eventually, you're going to get it. He says, as a heavenly father, he wipes away our tears. There are no tears in heaven. And as a father or mother wipes away our children's tears, Christ ultimately will wipe away our tears. There are going to be no tears in heaven. He says, there will be no more death in heaven. Aren't you thankful for that, church? No more death. We won't have to say goodbye. In fact, last Sunday we learned that death is not the end for the believer. In fact, uh, he changed it from de- the word from death to sleeping. And he says, those who've gone on are asleep in Christ, but they're far better off than we are. Paul says this, he says, those are the lost loved ones. He says, and we can be confident, 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 5, we are confident, yes, pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be where, church? Present with the Lord. In other words, 
Whenever we leave this earth, we're in the presence of our Lord and Savior for all of eternity. And one day we will see those loved ones that are gone before. But folks, when we get to heaven, there is no more death. That's the end. We won't face that parting again. And it goes on, he says, there will be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain in heaven. Do you ever wonder why the scripture repeat itself? He already said this, there's going to be no more tears. He's going to wipe them all away. So why does he go on and say there's no more mourning? There's no more crying. There's no more pain. I, you know, they say repetition aids learning. And, and I think what happens is Christ wants to make sure we understand the things that we're facing in this world, the pain, the sorrow, the, the, the discomfort, the, the disease, the, all of the things that we're facing in this life, it's nothing, none of that's going to be in heaven. We're not going to be crying. We're not going to be weeping anymore. Did Jesus Christ remove all that? He specifically mentions mourning and crying. And I, I believe that he, as he's doing it, he wants to make sure that we don't forget heaven is a perfect Place, a place where there is none of these things. In fact, this verse is the fulfillment of Isaiah 35, verse 10. He says, the ransom of the Lord will shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. In other words, he says, those things will not be in heaven. It's a fulfillment of that prophecy of Isaiah. What he's saying is he's encouraging. Can you imagine the glory of all of this? He will swallow up death forever. There will be no more crying, no more weeping, no more pain in heaven. Whatever disappointments you've had in this life will not exist. That pain that seems unbearable, gone. That sin, gone, forgiven. The, the struggles that so many of us have had in life won't exist in heaven. There will be no disease, well, a glorified body. No more blood pressure meds, uh, no more cholesterol meds, no more diabetes meds, no more... Uh, Cancer treatments, all of it, gone. Woo! Some of you say, man, my whole, I'm going to have so much time. I mean, I don't have that pillbox. It's like 15 miles long. And I'm, you know, I used to laugh at my parents and my grandparents. You need to go there. And my, <coughs> my grandparents would have them all lined up. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. You know, and it, it's, it's all laugh because it's going to be you one day. I mean, because... <clears throat> I turned 49, and I mean, it's just, uh, it's, uh, it's bad. I mean, you know, and, and the doctor this week, I'm just sitting there staring at me. He says, why didn't you get your annual physical last month? <clears throat> well, I wanted to lose 10 pounds before that, and now after having been sick for two weeks, I'm there. So, you know, physical's coming up in a couple weeks. I uh, did blood work on Wednesday, and, you know, but, you know, all of those things, the, the, the medications, all of those things, the, the, the disease, the, all that will not be there. But he goes on, he says, there's also going to be no sin in heaven. Church, it's time to celebrate. Woo! You're not going to have to worry about this old sin nature. Our old sin nature that rears its ugly head over and over won't exist in heaven. We won't deal with the, the struggles 
that have plagued mankind, humankind, since the Garden of Eden. Verse 4 wraps up, he says, for the former things have passed away. Underline that in your Bible. Circle that. Because, folks, it's not just the crying. It's not just the death. Sin is not going to be in heaven. It's not going to be there. And, and you and I can rejoice in that. It's, it's the former things have passed away. The upshot of verse 4 is that God will remove all of the ill effects of sin and will guarantee that sin and death will never, sin will never result in death, disqualification, qualification, or disaster. Death will be the in, uh, in the lake of fire. It will not enter into the new heaven and the new earth. Verse 4 reminds us, he says, because of God's presence, there will be no more sin, death, crying, or pain. And all of God's church says, hallelujah. Woo! What a savior. That's what Jesus Christ has saved us from, folks. We don't have to worry about those things. And verse 5, he goes on, he says, behold, I am making all things new. He says, write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. You can bank on it. Not in the FDIC, but he says, you can bank on at the bank of heaven. God has paid for our sin debt, folks. There'll be no sin. He says, I'll make all things new. And he says in verse 6, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He says, to the thirsty, I'll give from the spring of the water of life without payment. What's he saying? He says, Jesus Christ, he bookends the, this life and he's offering us a relationship that ultimately he controls everything. I'm so thankful for that promise. Goes on, secondly, he says, heaven is where we'll meet the saints from every time, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. In Revelation chapter 7, imagine what we have to look forward to in meeting people from every period of time. Talking with Adam and Eve about what it must have been like in the garden. Now this is just my little... ADD brain going on this week as I was studying I was like there's a bunch of ladies I bet there's some in this church some of you look you know got all that makeup and all that stuff going on this morning you look at all you know prim and proper you're like if I get a chance <laughs> to talk to Eve we're gonna have some words I mean I was in labor for days for all these children and it's all her fault because she ate that thing apple and if I can get my hands on her I'm gonna put her in the face I mean in Jesus name of course you know uh, it's all no sin so uh, none of that but I'm just gonna put her in, in Jesus name you know I want her to know exactly how bad I can't stand her face and no one names their daughter Eve but anyway uh, but anyway so I've got labor pains and imagine talking to Abraham the father of the Jewish nation who put Isaac on the altar and saying what was it like to trust God to provide a sacrifice and to strap your only son on an altar to offer as a sacrifice to God. What was that like to be Elijah who prayed down in front of the prophets of Baal, uh, a fire from heaven that consumed a sacrifice that you had poured barrels and barrels and barrels of water on the wood and the, and the offering. What was it like to be flying off to heaven in a fiery chariot? What was it like meeting Rahab? Imagine 
and ask and say, can you tell me the story of the spies and how you hid them? And how, uh, can you tell me that, that whole story and you're in the line of Christ? I mean, mind-blowing. I mean, we're, we're sitting here thinking, imagine talking to King David about what it was like to go up against Goliath and to choose those five stones. And you're like, how big were they? I mean, were they tiny? Were they, were they big boulders? I mean, what was that like to sling that slingshot and, and, and take out the thread and chop off the head of Goliath? Imagine talking to the shepherds about what it was night like on that cold evening as they were tending their flocks on the hillside. And behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. They were sore afraid. And imagine what it would be like to talk to those shepherds and find out. What was that like to be the first witness of the Savior being born in Bethlehem? Woo! Imagine talking to Mary and Joseph. Mary who was, uh, had an encounter from an angel and find out she was highly favored. And imagine what was going through her mind as she had to tell her dad. Woo, I'm pregnant and I... We're not married. And by the way, God is the Father. And every dad in the room is going, uh huh. <laughs> yeah, of course. Sure. <laughs> We've got some explaining to do. And you can imagine what it must have been like for Joseph and, and sitting down and talking to him and finding out. Imagine asking Mary and Joseph. Can you t shed a little light on that story about the time that you left Jesus at the temple and didn't realize it for three days? One, two, I mean, the second day, Mary wasn't like, you know, have I seen Jesus? I mean, we're traveling on, on this caravan, and I know it's like a big family reunion party thing, but I mean, we hadn't seen our only son once in two days. I mean, it wasn't until day three they realized, oh man, uh, we, some, somebody is messed up here and I mean, it makes the rest of us feel human. I mean, we, we, I've, I've done that. I've, I've drove off and left one of my kids at church. And it's bound to happen. We've got four. I mean, don't judge or call social services. But I, I thought their mom had gotten them. And, and she was already home. And I, I drive up and I pull in the garage. And, and uh, she was like, uh, and she mentioned one of them's names. And I was like, um, they didn't ride with you? Nope. <laughs> Good thing there's still people at church because, you know, I had to rush back and, and, and collect my son. But the reality is, is it happens. Imagine what it must be like to talk to the disciples who witnessed the miracles of Jesus. We'll better take, talk to all of them except for one, not Judas. He was a traitor, but the rest of them we'll be able to talk to and ask about what it was like to be in the presence of Jesus Paul, formerly known as Saul, and we'll be able to meet him and ask him questions about his former life, about the early church, about that first missionary journey, what that was like. And I can't even imagine what it must have been like to talk to Billy Graham. Billy Sunday. D.L. Moody, Charles Spurgeon. William Carey, the father of modern missions, what it must be like to have been alive in their time. 
and experience a mighty move of God. Church, the amazing thing is you may have never even traveled outside of North Carolina or the United States, but when we get to heaven, we're going to meet people from every time period, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every ethnicity. Uh, it, and we're not going to be confused. We're not gonna, it's going to be such an awesome thing to experience. What, we may shed tears on this earth, but ultimately, church, not in heaven. One day it's going to be worth it all. All of those whose lives have been cut short, do you realize we'll be reunited with them? We'll see our loved ones. I remember standing in this very pulpit many years ago as a young pastor and telling our church that we were expecting a child. And some weeks later having to say, we lost that child. Don't know if it was a girl or a boy. One day we're going to meet them in heaven. Won't be any tears. We might cry on this side, but not on the other side. No crying. And folks, the reality is, is it's going to be worth it. Aren't you thankful for that forever hope? And folks, the reality is this morning is as we know Christ is our Savior, we have the privilege of knowing we're going to see all of those from every time period, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Sometimes we can feel lonely in this world and long for heaven. But folks, once we get there, it'll all be worth it all. In fact, I'm afraid, and I've told this to some of our, our church, I think some of the questions we think we're going to have when we get there, not going to even be a question. We're going to have a glorified body, glorified mind, and we're going to think like Jesus. And that. I mean, we're, we're not going to even have those. Maybe we'll sit down and we're just going to experience the presence of the, the church of Jesus Christ throughout the ages. And we, who knows? We're going to experience all of that in heaven. Thirdly, we see heaven is where we'll worship and serve the Lord for all of eternity. Some people that claim to be Christians don't like to worship him and they don't want to serve the Lord, and when Sunday comes along, they make themselves scarce. When opportunities to serve the Lord are made known, they run for the hills, and when they gather, the church gathers, they look most miserable. Folks, the reality is, is we're going to worship the Lord and serve Him for all eternity. Sometimes we talk about the churches preparing for heaven. All right, imagine the gifts that God has given each one of us. We get to use for all of eternity as we glorify our Savior and our Lord throughout the ages forever and ever. And folks, if we go to church and we only want to hear our certain songs sung, uh, we want our positive and encouraging Caleb sermon every Sunday. I'm not against Caleb. I'm just saying if, if every sermon is the, uh, a TED talk with the Bible verse, uh, we have missed the point of worship. We have missed the point of the preaching of the Word of God because it ought to challenge us. And when people say, Pastor, you stepped on my feet this morning. Folks, that's not me. That's the Word of God speaking, cutting through, challenging us as he's trying to change who we are. So folks, if we think that the word, the message is to center around us, if we think that the worship has anything to do with us, we have gravely mistaken what church is all about. Heaven is a place where we'll gather around the throne of God 
singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Verse 3 of uh, Revelation chapter 22, he says, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. His servants will worship him. They'll see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no need for light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. We are created to worship him. For all of eternity, we'll worship Jesus. Some of you might be thinking, is this that praise course that's never ending? There's 42 verses of the same thing. And you keep going back to the bridge and you're like, if we sing Good, Good Father one more time, I mean, I'm going to scream. Anybody ever have those moments you're in worship? And sometimes I'm often wondering, you know, is the musicians on a loop and you can't get off the loop? I mean, uh, my family came to town one time and they got on 440 and they couldn't figure out how to get off. And they kept circling the city and they're like, there's Sam's Club, there's Sam's Club again, there's Sam's Club again. I mean, they kept circling the city and didn't know how to get off the, the freeway. And freaks. Sometimes you, you, you're going through and you're, you're singing a song and you're like, how many times are we going to say that phrase or that word? And you're, you're like, you know what, the same thing happens in hymns. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole? Nothing but the blood. There's songs that are just repetitive and they keep saying the same phrases over and over. But folks, when we get to heaven, it's not going to seem repetitive. It's not going to seem mundane or monotonous as we worship and exalt the name of Jesus. There will not be pain. And folks, everyone's going to have a beautiful singing voice in heaven. <laughs> I saw that. My dad is completely tone deaf. I mean, it's bad. I mean, and when he sings in church, he's so loud. I mean, I've, I've stood beside him before and I'm thinking, I can sing and I can't sing beside that. I mean, it's just really bad. I mean, it's all on the same note. Every single verse, every single word is on the same exact monotone note. And, uh, but folks, when we get to heaven, we're going to be worshiping. For all of eternity. And it's not going to be out of key, out of, out of, out of beat. I think there, whoo, people talk about white people can't dance. There's going to be some dancing. There's going to be celebrating. There's going to be drums. I mean, for all the people that don't like drums, there's going to be high sounding cymbals. The Psalms talks about in heaven. The reality is, is as we anticipate it, we will be spending all of eternity worshiping God. Then fourthly and lastly, heaven is where we'll enjoy the presence of Jesus. I saved the best for last. All right, because the best thing about heaven being our forever home is seeing the face of the one who died for our sin. The one who gave his life. Verse 4 says, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. The verse 5 says there's going to be no more night as being in the presence of Jesus. He is the light. Imagine that this morning. No more nights. No more long sleepless nights. One day our faith will be made sight. Today we long to see his face. We long to be in his presence. We long to see him High and lifted up. We long to praise him and worship him and give thanks for all that he's done. We long to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy and the presence of the Lord. Our time on this earth, when it comes to a close, 
Church, it's almost over. Soon we'll be able to enjoy the presence of Jesus for all of eternity. Say, Pastor, what's the application? How do we land this? If you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, death, eternity, the rapture, the end times, the last days are an exciting time to be alive. Can't think of a more incredible place that I'd rather be. I can't think of a, of, a, of a thing that can be more exciting than to be in the presence of the Lord. As we anticipate that heavenly home, we rejoice in all the things that won't be there. All of the pain, the sorrow, the death, the crying. And this world will be no more. Church, let's start living the rest of our days preparing for that heavenly home. Let's be faithful. The word of God says always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. If you've not made preparation for heaven, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is that moment, that time, as we recognize Jesus Christ loves not just the whole world. He does. He loves you. He loves you. Fill in your, your name in the blank. He loves you. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus loves you. So if you don't know, from, know him as your Lord and Savior, let me encourage you this morning, turn from your sins to a loving Savior who died on the cross and rose again victoriously from the grave. And he will give you eternal life. And he will make you have a right relationship with God, the Father. As we anticipate that heavenly home, let's live like he could be arriving at any day. If we're preparing for a trip of a lifetime, you'd make preparation. If you were going on that long-awaited cruise or you know, some people wait and say, I want to go on a cruise to Alaska. You know, I want to go on a cruise. I want to go to the, to the Bahamas. Or I want to go to Hawaii. Wherever that place is, you make preparation. The same thing is true for preparing for heaven. Make preparation. Prepare for the place that Jesus Christ is preparing for us. At church, let's live in go mode. Let's live in go mode. Ready to go at any moment to our forever home. In other words, what we're saying is, I'm living in light of the return of Christ. I'm anticipating it. So I'm not going to be sitting back, chilling on Sunday, ignoring the church, the bride. When I could be serving and worshiping, I'm going to make a priority of the things of God. But I'm going to live as if Jesus Christ could return at any moment. And I'm anticipating that forever home. 
I'm anticipating that time where I'll be with Jesus for all of eternity. And church, that's something gets me excited. The more people that have gone over to the other side, I, I'm sitting here thinking, Lord, I, I'm good. I mean, Sunday, November 12th, today would be a great day, Lord, to come and take your church, your bride home, to enjoy the splendor of heaven. Are you ready to go at any moment? Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts this morning?